0: Well, let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know, as we started to unbox our Christmas decorations this year, both at home and at church, and pull out the ornaments, put up the trees, put on the Christmas music, I kept being drawn back to this particular scripture, to the words that the prophet Isaiah spoke about Jesus before he ever entered our earthly world. Because this was one of the many prophecies that we read about in the Old Testament that actually prepared our hearts to receive the New Testament, where we read about the new covenant that God established with humanity through his son of the Trinity. Now within this scripture, The words that I was drawn to the most were wonderful counselor. Can you say that for me? Say wonderful counselor. Now these two words, they might seem very commonplace in their usage. We use the word wonderful all the time. We hear the word counselor all the time. But when these are paired together to describe the Son of God, there is so much more to this that we need to understand. Because when I say counselor, You might have an image that first comes to your mind. You might first think of a counselor that you go to an appointment with where you sit down and you talk about what's going on in your life, what's going on in your mind. Maybe that's what you thought about. Or maybe you thought about a school counselor that you go to talk to about your grades or about what classes you should take. Or maybe you think about this couch that you see in the movies. You know the the infamous couch in the counselor's office where you lay down on it? and you just verbal vomit everything going on in your mind, maybe that's the picture that you got when you read the word counselor. But when I read this word counselor, God showed me a very different memory, a very different picture, and it was a camp counselor. A camp counselor, because at my church camp from childhood growing up, I know it's not called this here, but the camp leaders at my church camp were called camp counselors. And so when I was young, that's what I understood a counselor to be, was someone, a leader, who would help me to belong in a group. It was a leader who would guide me and make me feel welcome, and they would listen to me. They would get to know my story. It was a leader who would actually help me overcome challenges while I was at camp. And one such challenge that I always looked forward to were the high ropes course. Does anybody else here love a high ropes course? A few people, more so the young people. (laughs) Um, Does anybody dread the high ropes course? Like At school camp, it was the worst. You hated it. Look, there's some people that absolutely dread it. If you've never been on a high ropes course, it's one of those moments where you put on this harness that is often uncomfortable and they hook a rope to your harness through a carabiner and that rope is then over a pulley system down to another person who is belaying you as you scale up poles over wires, walk across logs, go down a zip line. And for young people, this seems awesome. And now all the older people in the room are like, that is not my thing. But let me tell you, when I was in high school, when I was y'all's age, this was my jam. Like my 33-year-old body might beg to differ now because she's had two kids. But when I was in high school, adrenaline junkie, I looked forward to this at camp every single year. And even when you got older at camp, if there was time after everybody had gone through this challenge course, if there was extra time, the camp counselor would say, now who wants to do it blindfolded? And every year, I'd stick up my hand. I was like, I got this. This is my moment. I was so excited to do it blindfolded. I always hoped that there was extra time to do this. And I remember how it would go. My counselor would stand next to me as we were at the very first pole of the challenge course, and they would hook the carabiner into my harness. I would put the blindfold on, and he would pull the tension in the rope to make sure that we were connected. And as I was blindfolded there, grabbing the pegs on the pole, I would say the commands that I was always so used to. I knew them by heart now, because I did this every year. I'd say on belay, and the camp counselor would give me a confident belay on. That meant that he was prepared to keep the tension in our rope as I climbed, so that he would ensure my safety if I lost my footing. And as my hands were there, as I would lift my first foot, the next command I'd say is climbing to show him that I'm ready to go and he would say climb on. And when you have a blindfold on, When you're going up a challenge course, it is so much different than when you can see where you're going. Because all of a sudden, you can't see where the pegs are, so your hand's literally going up the pole, trying to figure out where these next pegs are. You're trying to figure out where the platform is, where you hook your carabiner onto once you get onto the platform. When you go wobbly across the wire, you don't know how much further you need to go. And so it all relies on the commands from your camp counselor down below. Because up there on the platform, when I have to unhook the carabiner and onto something else to go on to the next activity, I can't see what I'm hooking onto. So I have to trust that when I show it to him down below and he says that I'm good, I have to trust that when he said it, I can trust it to move forward. When you're blindfolded up on a high ropes course, it's a completely different ball game Because you have to tune out all the other voices and listen to the one that you are belayed to, to trust that they can see what you can't see. To trust that you are safe and you are okay to move forward and take another step. Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes from hearing. And so when I read the words, wonderful counselor, I saw this memory of me being on this high ropes course, blindfolded, hearing the commands from my counselor down below, commands that I had to trust in order to move forward in my journey. And when I read Isaiah 9 verse 6, I didn't see this picture of me laying on a couch, pouring out all my feelings to a counselor. I saw this picture of me blindfolded up on the high ropes, listening to a counselor that I was anchored to. You see, wonderful counselor speaks of someone who not only listens and empathizes, but they also guide and advise you from a position of authority. It actually speaks of a wise king whose counsel is so wonderful, it is incomprehensible. It's so wonderful, it's beyond our understanding. And the coming king that Isaiah prophesied about was not going to be one that we could comprehend in our own human reasoning. The coming king would be one who would guide us with authority and with commands that might not always make sense to us in the moment. A coming king that could see the full picture when we only saw part of the picture. His counsel would be wonderful. And our faith in that counsel would come through hearing his word. And when I think back to those camp memories, I'm reminded that not every student on camp was able to complete that challenge course. For some people, fear would grip them and they wouldn't even get started. Or maybe they'd freeze up halfway through and they'd want to come down. And then even then, for those that could complete it with their eyes open, very, very few would actually be willing to do it with their eyes closed because it required a whole new level of trust in this counselor that you just met that week. This counselor that you've been spending time with, you have to put all your trust in them to make sure that you are safe when you can't see anything. But these camp counselors were well trained to navigate conversations with young people. You see, they would never pressure them to do anything that they wanted, didn't wanna do. If they were, had fears, they would listen. If these students had worries, they would listen. If there were concerns, they would listen. But then eventually, the counselor would stop talking and allow the student to make a decision. Start the climb or take off the harness. A simple decision, start the climb, Or take off the harness. And I think all too often people can misunderstand what a counselor is meant to do in your life. A counselor is one who listens to you and empathizes with you. But they will also guide and advise you so that you can move forward in your journey and not simply stay where you are. You know, in movies and in TV shows, there's that typical scene, I've seen it so many times, where they portray a counselor's office. And there's that couch that people sit on or lie on and then they just verbal vomit everything going on in their life. And the counselor, often in movies and in TV shows, they sit there silently and go, oh, time's up, we'll see you next week, (laughs) right? That's what I've seen so many times where the counselor in the movie or the TV show doesn't get a chance to talk as much because the person on the couch is just talking, 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 oh, time's up, we'll see you next week. That's not the picture of Jesus here. When this image is portrayed, we get the wrong perception of how we should go about personal growth with our wonderful counselor. In fact, back when I was a youth and young adults pastor, I met with young people all the time, and Frosty and I oversaw a youth and young adults ministry where we were literally ministering to hundreds of people. And I always wanted to make time for people, but I could very quickly learn to distinguish who just wanted to chat, and who wanted to change? See, who wanted to just be there and have a listening ear and who actually wanted guidance and advice or counsel? And so sometimes students would come into my office and they'd tell me everything going on in their life and I would give them some advice, I would listen with them, I'd pray with them, I'd help them discover what their next step might be in order to find some breakthrough, some growth. And if they came back the next week and did the same thing but there was no growth, no willingness to actually move forward and they just wanted to talk and talk and talk, I quickly realized I had to say to some young people, hey, we're not going to meet again until you do ABC because I want to see that you actually want some personal growth here because we're trying to meet with hundreds of people. And if I hear the same monologue every week, I simply just didn't have time for it. I wanted to see personal growth when they were sitting in my office. So I was kind of like those camp counselors where I was like, start the climb, Or take off the harness because there's people behind you that actually want to climb. People that behind you that actually want to grow. Now, is Jesus a wonderful listener? Yes. But they don't list him here as wonderful listener. They list him here as wonderful counselor. Meaning when you come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you need to desire counsel, not just a listening ear. And not only that, when he gives you counsel, you need to be willing to implement it. If you want to experience the growth that he has for you, the growth that is just steps ahead of you, you'll need to start the climb even when you can't see the whole course laid out in front of you. Now you might be thinking, but but Darcy, his counsel doesn't always make sense. I know, because it's wonderful. Wonderful means it doesn't always make sense. But when we use the word wonderful, often we use the word wonderful to say, oh, my coffee is so wonderful. Our kids are so wonderful. Oh, this book I'm reading is so wonderful. You need to read it, girl. We often use wonderful to describe our joy with something, our satisfaction, our agreement with something, right? But wonderful actually means beyond our understanding. It's incomprehensible, which means that when Jesus gives us counsel that is wonderful, it might not make sense to us in the moment. It might not bring us immediate joy in the moment. We might not agree with that counsel in the moment because it is wonderful. It is beyond our understanding and beyond our human reasoning. Let me show you how this wonderful counselor actually spoke a word that required people to trust without understanding. And I love that. I, um, you know, The worship team didn't even know what my message was on, but there's a song that we just sang the last one where it says, I trust even when I don't understand. That's exactly what this is all about. It required people to move forward without seeing the full picture. You know, think about when God told Joshua when he was leading the army, in order to conquer the city of Jericho, Joshua was supposed to guide this army to walk and march around the city of Jericho once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, go around seven times with the sounds of trumpets and throw in a shout of praise on the last lap. Joshua was probably like, God, that doesn't make any sense, right? That doesn't make any sense that the walls are just going to fall down if we march around them. But in his spirit, he knew that he was belayed to or connected to the almighty God who could see what he couldn't see. And so he probably thought, okay, this doesn't make any sense, but on belay God and God was like belay on so Joshua's like okay marching and God's like march on and all of a sudden because he listened to the wonderful counsel, he saw the walls of Jericho fall or what about when Jesus approached the disciples? When they were out on the boat in the middle of the storm, all the disciples were scared. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus walking out to them on the water. They think it's a ghost at first, and they scream in fear. And then they realize, whoa, 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 is that our rabbi, Jesus walking on the water to us? And in this moment, Peter, he wants to know if this is the man that he can trust, if this is the God that he can really put his trust in. And he's like, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out. He's like, on belay, Rabbi? And Jesus says, belay on. So Peter steps out of the boat and he goes, I'm walking. Jesus says, walk on. And in that moment, Peter put his trust in counsel. That was wonderful, it didn't make any sense. How was he supposed to walk on water, yet he did? Or what about when the man who had been blind from birth, who was called out by the disciples when they were passing by with Jesus, did it make any sense for Jesus to spit on the ground, pick up some dirt? Turn it into mud with his spit, rub it on that man's eyes, and then tell that man to go wash in the pools of Siloam. Did that make any sense? No. But that blind man with mud in his eyes is like, "On belay, Jesus." And Jesus is like, "Belay on." He go, "Okay, washing, wash on." He washed it off, and all of a sudden, because he listened to the wonderful counsel, he came back seeing the wonderful counselor standing right in front of him. It didn't make any sense, but he listened. You know, the whole Christmas story is based on wonderful counsel. Guidance from mere humans that makes absolutely no sense in our limited thinking. Look, Mary is told she's going to be pregnant even though she's a virgin. Doesn't make any sense. And then Joseph, her fiance, is told to not break up with her but trust that this baby is the son of God conceived by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't make any sense to, to Joseph they couldn't see the full picture, but they trusted that God had a plan and a process that would make sense in his timing. Look, when the baby was born and the angels told the shepherds out in the field, hey, the son of God has been born, that didn't make any sense to the shepherds there, but they trusted that this council was wonderful, and they went searching You know, when the wise men saw this star appear in the sky, that was brighter than any star they'd ever seen, and it was moving, showing them, guiding them to the place where the Son of God was. Did that make any sense? No, but they went searching. They couldn't see the full picture, but they trusted the wonderful counsel. They trusted the word of God that they heard from the angels, and they moved forward based on that knowledge that they did have in order to find the promised Savior. You see, with God, there is always a plan and there's always a process that we don't actually know about fully in its entirety. There's still more that God hasn't shown us. He hasn't shown us the full picture yet. There's so much more that we don't understand and it requires a greater level of faith if we actually wanna see the story that's being written. You know the word belay? It actually means to fix through a running rope, round a rock, to secure it. So in Psalm 18, when it says, I love you, Lord, you are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. That is the rock that we are belayed to as Christians. That is our anchor in life. As we step out in faith where we can't see Anything beyond the next step, where we can't see exactly where we're going, we can know with confidence that we are belayed to, fixed to, anchored to the rock that is Jesus. He is our wonderful counselor. So how do we climb this course of life when we're belayed to him? It's pretty simple, but it requires faith. The first thing is is when you're blindfolded and you no longer have your sense of sight, you have to listen to his commands. You have to hear his voice amongst the noise and you have to be able to tune out the rest of the noise in this world, the rest of the voices speaking into your life and say, where's the voice of my counselor? Where is the voice of the one that I am anchored to? And you're only going to know that voice if you spend time with him. If you have a relationship with him. You know, the reason I was so confident to go up into a high ups course with a blindfold on is because I had already spent days with that counselor. I had already learned to put my trust in them. I already learned to recognize their voice. I probably wouldn't have done that on the very first day if I had just met this person. I didn't know their voice. I couldn't hear their voice amongst the crowd. But when we know the voice of Jesus, when we're in relationship with him, it's not as scary to be blindfolded. So we hear his commands, we listen, then we feel for his presence in the rope that connects us, reminding us that I am anchored to the rock that is my place of safety. How do we remind ourselves of his presence? Through prayer, through communication with him, through the word of God and speaking the truth of God over your life. That can remind you that there is a connection that has you anchored even when you're taking these bold steps of faith. And then once you hear his commands, you remind yourself of his presence, you move forward with the knowledge you do have. You don't need to know the full picture. You just need to know what to do next. You know, when I was blindfolded up on a high ropes course, I couldn't see anything, but I could feel, okay, there's the next peg, now I move up. There's the next peg, now I move up. Or there's the wire under my foot, now I step out. I could only feel what the very next step was. And I had to trust the commands from down below to guide me and to say, yep, Darcy, that's the right step. Yep, Darcy, that's the right peg, keep moving. Keep going forward with the knowledge you do have. And if you do that, you will experience the wonder of his counsel. Keys can come join me. You know, you were never meant to live this life of faith with your feet on the ground. It's more comfortable, for sure, to have your feet firmly planted on the ground. You feel more safe there where you can see everything that's going on. But you won't experience the wonder of his counsel from the ground. There is a higher view for you, a higher perspective for you, but it's going to require a climb. It's going to require faith. Now, you might be thinking, well, Darcy, I want that. But what he's telling me, it doesn't make sense. And I can't move forward if it doesn't make sense. Look, I know it didn't make any sense to Joshua. It didn't make any sense to Peter. It didn't make any sense to the disciples. It didn't make any sense to the blind man. It did not make any sense to Mary and Joseph but they move with faith based on hearing the word of God, not seeing, and they experience the wonder of God at work in their lives. And Jesus wants to be your wonderful counselor this Christmas. But the question is, will you let him? Will you trust him? Even when it doesn't make sense in your human understanding, will you implement his counsel in your life? even when you can't see how it's all gonna pan out. This Christmas season, we get to lean into the mystery and the wonder of the Christmas story, a story that we are all part of now. We get to lean into the wonder of our coming king. Will you believe God when he says it? Not just when you see it. Will you believe him when he says it? Because faith comes through hearing the word of God And too often we we put these ultimatums on God in prayer where we say, God, I'll do it if you heal my mom, if you give me this amount of money to do it, if you give me the promotion, if you fulfill my request. We're putting these ultimatums on God and we're trying to say, I'll start the climb if you do A, B, C. But can I tell you what is so wonderful about the Christmas story, Mary, Joseph, The wise men, the shepherds, they all believed that this baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, truly was God in the flesh. They believed this was their savior before he did anything for them. They believed this was God, this was Yahweh, this was the Messiah, before he did anything for them that they could see. They served him and loved him before he could ever give that love back. They brought gifts to this baby before this baby could even give them gifts in return. They sang songs of praise and worship before they ever saw Jesus perform any miracle. They believed based on hearing the word of God through the angels. They believed it when God said it. So this Christmas, I want us all to adopt this heart posture that would allow the wonderful counselor to speak into our life and maybe give us some advice and some counsel that we don't agree with in the moment, or maybe it doesn't bring us joy in the moment, but we know it's going to help us grow in our faith. It's going to challenge us if we just take a step forward and trust that his plans are good, trust that his plans are in our favor. He has our best in mind can we trust in the wonderful counselor and move forward with the knowledge we do have? Can we believe it when he said it, not just when we see it? You know, if my camp counselor told me when I was up on a platform to unhook my carabiner and hook it onto another one that I can only feel, but I can't see. And if he told me that I had hooked it on correctly and now I could take a step of faith out onto the wire, I had to trust that when he said it because I couldn't see it. I had to trust that my safety was in his hands. And can I tell you, our wonderful counselor is so much more wonderful than the greatest camp counselor. Our safety of our souls is actually in the hands of the wonderful counselor, the coming King. And it is so much more safe to be anchored to him and belayed to him in this life. He is our rock and he is our strength. And he can show us wonders that our eyes could not even see, our minds could not even think or imagine, wonders that we will see if we start the climb and trust him at his word. So this Christmas, come, let us adore him before he's done anything for us. Come, let us bring gifts to him before he's ever given us gifts. Come, let us serve him. Come, let us worship him simply for who he is. He is everything that the prophet Isaiah said he would be. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This baby that we talk about at Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. And when he's with us, our safety is in his hands and we can do this life even when we're blindfolded. Amen. Church, let me pray for y'all. God, we just thank you so much that you are our wonderful counselor. You are our mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There is so much wonder in the Christmas story There is so much wonder in the pages of the Bible. There are things that we might never understand. There are things that are incomprehensible to the human mind. But God, our faith is not based on seeing. It is based on hearing. And so right now, God, I pray that there would be a greater measure of faith in the room. That as we hear you speak to us as our counselor, that we would be able to trust that when you say it and we'd be able to move forward in faith to experience the full wonder that you have for us. So God, would you increase our faith? Would you increase our bravery? Would you increase our courage? Would you increase our knowledge of you so that when you say it, we can know with absolute certainty that we can trust it?